Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. It has been an exciting week in the offseason. There's a lot of things that are going on right now, and the expansion protection lists have been released for every team. No real surprises for the Devils, but we're going to talk about what the uh, implications are of that happening anyway, as well as the fact that the Devils made a pretty significant trade to bolster their defense yet again. And so I'm joined, as always, by runner of the site, John Fisher. How are you, John? I am doing pretty well in this hazy, sometimes rainy, always humid summer weather here in northern New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've stopped sweating since the first day of June. Um, it, it's been really, you know, overwhelming and a, a lot of a lot of heat happening. And there's a lot of heat in the NHL offseason, too. You like oh, right yeah. there? Oh, yeah. Loads of heat. Um, and so the heat that we're going to talk about just to start devil specific is the fact that the devils made a trade for Ryan Graves, a defenseman from Colorado, a very shot happy defenseman, which is good news for the devils who do not get much contribution from their defense. But uh, Graves was someone who was pretty much on the outs in Colorado due to expansion consideration. So what they were able to do is recoup Mikhail Maltsev and, and the Islanders second rounder that the Devils had acquired previously. And the Devils acquire a defenseman who immediately joined their protection list. And it was interesting because the Devils ended up protecting two defensemen that have played a combined eight games total for the New Jersey Devils. I think identifying this defensive overhaul and it being necessary, as um, you know, CJ said on Twitter, was something that was the mission for Fitzgerald and Graves is a step into giving this defense a different look. Well, that's mostly because Graves is large, Mm -hmm. big, huge, even as he's officially listed at six foot five and 220 pounds. Um, I'm sure Ken Danico is already beaming about a man who's four inches taller than him and about (laughs) weighs the same. Um, Graves is 26 years old. He just completed his second full season with Colorado. His third NHL season and the first on his current contract. Uh, if you're looking for points from the man, mm, I wouldn't be holding your breath. Uh, he, he, he did produce quite a bit considering his defensive style uh, that got him his current contract, which yields a $3.16 million cap hit where he'll get $3 million in this coming season and 4 million in this, uh, oh, in the following season. That's almost Barclay Goodrow money. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we'll touch on that in a moment here. Um, yeah, we have some jeering of our rivals uh, up, up, up next, everybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but uh, the, as you just said, um, everybody has to uh, protect players. And unfortunately for Colorado, they basically had more defensemen that they wanted to keep than they had spots available. So out of the bunch, uh, Ryan Graves ended up being the man out rather than lose him to Seattle for nothing. They decided to get a uh, bottom six winger and a very late second round pick in exchange for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the very minimum, the Devils got an NHL defenseman. And given that the Devils were, you know, really bad on defense last season, some more NHL defensemen was needed. So job done. Mm-hmm. Um, my only misgiving is that 
Tom Fitzgerald between this and some of the, some of the recent draft picks and other decisions being made is that there's definitely an emphasis on size. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest with you, Dan, size is not everything when it comes to playing defense. No. And it's, it's about, you know, positioning. It's about um, yes. awareness. It's about using your size in ways that actually benefit you instead of having a, you know, a savvy offenseman just kind of take advantage of the fact that you don't really know how to keep up with them. And, you know, with tight turns, things like that, there's a lot that goes with having, you know, the size is great. You can push people off the puck a lot easier, but it comes with different mm. consequences of like not being able to get as low to the ground, not being able to potentially, yes. you know, have that center of gravity happen when you're facing an right. opponent that knows how to manipulate that, that has good edge work. And so that's something yes. that's, you know, that's something that we want to make sure that that's also being kept in mind because you can be a great skater. And also it doesn't, it's not a pre-requirement to be tall, to be a great defenseman. We've seen so many Absolutely good examples not. of that. In fact, Colorado kept a couple of defensemen that were much smaller because no they're much better. <laughs> exactly. They were much better. And so um, speaking of defensemen that were smaller and probably not better, uh, one of those was exposed in terms of the devil's protection list. And now that the devils acquired graves, the three defensemen they protected were Severson, which everyone kind of saw coming and then Siegenthaler and Graves. So we're, we're kind of moving into this new world of the devil's defense where PK Subban could potentially not be a devil in an expansion type trade. Uh, we could have Will Butcher leave the defensive line as an expansion casualty as well. Um, the, you know, there's a couple other names. Ryan Murray's a free agent. It, it's very unclear who will be, piloting the devil's defense you know ty smith is going to be there obviously but um beyond that it, there's definitely plenty of room to build this defense still and i think that's what fitzgerald looking to continue to do with that fourth overall pick yes and you know just as a bit of a spoiler but um you know i'm doing the mock draft roundup we're doing our own mock draft we did the sb nation mock draft and i can tell you dan pretty much every mock in the world has the devil's taking a defenseman Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe there's a couple exceptions here and there, but for the most part, it's going to be a defenseman. And that kind of speaks to what the Devils need in their system, since their prospect system has a lot of big, beefy defensemen that don't have much of an offensive game in them outside of Riley Walsh. And if you squint hard enough, Ethan Edwards, mm-hmm. um, he's a late, he was a late pick. So I don't oh, know, I remember. a ton of fun for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so going out and getting a Luke Hughes, a Brant Clark um, fits in actually pretty well with what the Devils could use. My fear is that they'll pick Simon Edvinson because he's big. Uh, not that Luke Hughes is small. He's actually the same size as Severson and just a hair uh, shorter than six foot three Mirko Mueller. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of defensemen who don't know how to use their size. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So the, the defense definitely is on track of having a very different look. And speaking of a different look, um, with the expansion draft, currently set up since it we're recording this on tuesday it's going to be held on espn 2 tomorrow mm-hmm. night mm-hmm. um there's also couldn't a train- make it one <laughs> a whole right. new franchise they couldn't even get onto one hey but the fact that game six of the sun series is tonight hey look espn controls their landscape baby steps. you t- you t- you tell them how to do their business baby step oh you know i'm not shy about that I know you will, but they're not going to listen to you. They have, they have the juice in this situation (laughs) anyway. Right. But the point is, is that there's already a rumor coming out of uh, Andy Strickland of all people, an actual legitimate insider, very connected, well-connected in St. Louis. That's already bringing up smoke about how the devils may be offering out PK Subban. Mm -hmm. So even if Seattle doesn't pick him on Wednesday night, 
whether or not they pick someone like Nathan Bastion or they take um, someone like Andreas Janssen or they take Scott Wedgwood or they take the rights to Ivan Kumatov. They're not going to take the rights to Ivan Kumatov. Uh, they, you know, well, like who are the most Sub- likely candidates? Let's just go through that. So we yeah, get Subban could way. very well not be on the team is my point. Like this yeah. defense could look very, very different. That point being made, let's talk about who's exposed. Yeah, and so I think a lot of the most common names we've seen are the ones you just mentioned. I think realistically, those are the only options barring any sort of surprise trade. But I I think there's a consensus that it's going to be one of the following players. P.K. Subban, whether or not to acquire for marketing reasons or just in another trade. Will Butcher, Andreas Janssen, Nate Bastian. Right. I haven't seen any other names mocked from the Devils at all, except maybe in some cases, Nick Merkley. Right. And they would have to sign Nick Merkley because he's currently out of contract. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think out of all those names, those are definitely the most likely ones. I mean, Seattle in theory could go off the board completely. Like they're drafting 30 players for a 23 man roster. They could in theory take a tweener for their uh, AHL team or their shared of AHL affiliate for their first team since Palm Springs isn't ready to go yet. Mm. Like a Ben Street or a Matt Tennyson or a Scott Wedgwood, but let's be real, that's not going to happen. Well, then if, you would just take uh, Bastion, right? Bastion would be the smart choice for Seattle because he's young, he's cheap, and out of the guys we mentioned, he um, has some pretty solid metrics for a bottom six winger. Um, that being said, Seattle could turn around and say, we could easily get a fourth line right winger. Like it's yeah. not that hard to find, right. uh, you know, they could draft it from 29 other hockey teams on, on Wednesday night, or they can wait for the following week when free agency begins and, you know, pluck one from free agency nice and easily. Like, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I'm blanking on a potential name here, but the point is, is that Bastion would be the smart choice. However, there are arguments to be made about going after Subban because I think he's better than some of the analytics people want to believe. I think some of those people who pay five bucks a month to the Younger Twins, I think, are a little too hardcore about trying to claim that Subban is this awful player when he's not. And there's Will Butcher, who didn't make the New Jersey lineup. So there's an argument to be made that he just needs to change his scenery since he's probably not going to get under Lindy Ruff. Um his game plans for next season, even if he's not selected. Mm-hmm. And Janssen is a guy that, you know, yeah, this past season was rough between the coronavirus, between the asthma, between the new team, between the team being bad. Um, but he's another guy that could use another change of scenery and just as well benefit because his on ice metrics suggest that he's got some game. Um, if you just ignore all the stuff he failed to do for New Jersey. Uh, I've so, seen Bastion mocked more than most other yeah players. like i said Bastion is, is the smart choice i'm just saying these other three guys are their arguments for that no no no. i understand I, i'm just saying like of all the mocks that i've seen it seems like that's the popular choice and that's not really what i anticipated when we were um you know first talking about this when we were discussing who the devils would wouldn't protect i did not realize that nathan bastion had such a profile around the league to be honest with you um yeah but, i think but, i think a lot of people just look at the devil's roster and go who do you want from this 29th place team that's available <laughs> and he can hit he had good hit numbers and he's a big yeah. boy so you know in the world of the nhl now that might be enough of a criteria for them to say yeah let's take a flyer on this guy now it would be truly tragic to break up the super buddies i don't want that for either of them but the devils yes made mcleod them. was awful without him yeah i mean th- they made their choice signing mcleod and hopefully he's able to perform well in a vacuum if seattle does take bastion yeah um 
but who knows? I mean, there's a lot of other players that could potentially be on the move for, uh, or even involving the Kraken, like Tarasenko's name that's been thrown out there. Uh, Mark Giordano was left exposed in this expansion. Um, the two Canadians who are seemingly the plan is to just say that they're too injured to select in the expansion draft and Carey Price and Shea Weber. Like there's a lot of big names that are available for Seattle to choose from. And so I'm wondering how many of those transactions we see that we saw with Vegas, for example, where, um, you know, this team will give you a draft pick or another player in order to select a specific player as part of that expansion process. I don't know. It's hard to tell right now because it it does feel like the protection lists were done intentionally and they were done Mm -hmm. with the benefit of hindsight for when it happened with Vegas, but it's still like Seattle can put together a pretty good team if they play their cards right. They can, and it also behooves, you know, some other things coming to play, like all the players being willing to be there Mm -hmm. that, you know, guys aren't going to get hurt. Because when you pick up a guy like, say, Mark Giordano, you know, he's in his late 30s. Like, you do have to be concerned about how much how much gas is left in his tank, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, you also have Seattle also has to consider that they have to put a roster together that is worth 60 percent of the salary cap at a minimum. Yep. which doesn't sound like that's hard to do, but that means you can't just go out and get young, you know, tweeners and young guys who haven't gotten their fair shake in the NHL yet. Like you do have to get, pick up some quote unquote big deals on hand mm-hmm. just to make sure that that's safe with, which again, if you get Giordano and if you go get uh Duchesne, Duchesne, Nito, Nito rider uh, out of Carolina. Subban. There. You know, Subban, <laughs> yep, exactly. Those are <laughs> done. Th- those are players that you could definitely take a chance on and say, look, you know, we're going to be competitive, but we're not going to be great right away, but at least we're going to be compliant and we can go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and this is, and that's actually the big reason why devil fans need to pay attention to Wednesday night's events. Um, not just because we're, you want to find out which devil is being taken away to go to Seattle, but also which players are going to be effectively left over. Cause the, Seattle can't take everybody. They can only take one player per team. So if mm-hmm. you look at a team, like say Colorado, they expose Landis Gog, their captain of all things. Apparently, he's looking to hit the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Saad, Judas Donskoy, uh, JT Comfort. Um, you know, not that these guys are world beaters, but if you're looking for forward help, you know, these are guys the Devils can say, hey, which one of these guys left over from Seattle? You can call up Joe Sackett and say, hey, what do you, you know, if we give you a six rounder to talk to Brandon Saad early, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Not that I'm saying the devils need to go get Brandon Saad. I'm just using him. No, as it's, a, it's just an example. And I was saying this, like I was asked about, um, you know, how would it work? Like, why would Seattle not take Tarasenko, for example? Well, when Vince Dunn is available, then you kind of hesitate about it. Unless you can work out some other deal with another team to create that transaction, create the cap room. Like Seattle's in a very interesting spot where they do have um right now they don't have a roster so they have uh, theoretically unlimited cap room in which to well not unlimited but like the entire cap in which to take on a potential bad contract for someone as a conduit and get even more assets out of it and that's something that vegas was not shy about yeah and that's the third reason why devil fans need to pay attention there's a very good chance that the guys being selected on wednesday night are not going to be kraken members as of friday morning Mm -hmm. Uh, you know they're you know someone like tarasenko getting picked Seattle may just flip them for something else, you know, Mm -hmm. and with the NHL draft, the first round is this Friday. Um, It's a very popular time for trades to happen at the draft. So, you know, you've, you expect to see a lot of picks being thrown about, expect a lot of side deals that that are about to be revealed on Wednesday night, because even though there is a trade freeze in the league, you can make deals with Seattle. 
Um, I don't think Tom Fitzgerald did, or more importantly, should uh, make any side deals with Seattle to say, hey, go take so-and-so and and we'll throw in a uh, a fourth or something. Um, I don't think the Devils are so good that they should do that. But other teams might. Other teams might want to do that. Like St. Louis (laughs) might say, hey, here's something to take Robert Bertuzzo so we can at least still have Tarasenko and Dunn for like 48 more hours. Well, Tarasenko, they probably will end up losing anyway, since apparently that relationship is very fractured. Yeah, but at least they could at least get a little something for him instead of nothing, which is what will they get if Seattle takes him on yeah, Wednesday night. This is true. This is true. It's all very interesting. I'm I'm very excited to see what the team ends up looking like and what it looks like, like you alluded to, two days later, because these deals are coming fast and furious. The cap did not change, and there's a lot of situations that were planned out with the intention of the cap changing, but we've already seen seismic moves in the NHL. I mean, the Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter, they have the matching 13-year contracts. We're both bought out at the same exact time, which was a wild thing to think about. Um, a lot of money by the Minnesota owner. A lot of money out. being dumped, and a lot of people who you tell them this in 2012, they end up being bought out uh, before the length of their full contract. You'd say, okay, maybe I can see it, but like I would not. I would expect them to at least have accomplished something when they signed that deal. And, uh, they which did they not. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the kind of thing where people are hesitant to overinvest in things like that at this point. And I think it is trending more towards the young controllable asset um, span of things. And so Seattle has to decide, do they want to be competitive right away or do they want to be building to stay competitive for a while? And Vegas has the benefit of, you know, having that first year be awesome and becoming a desirable destination for everyone. But Seattle's in a very different boat in that everyone has kind of seen what happened with Vegas. And I cannot emphasize enough the shell shock that the other GMs probably felt when Vegas reached the cup final in their first year of existence. That is an indictment on all 29 other GMs in the league, period. Well, I don't know. I I don't think the Devils should feel bad that John Merrill was plucked from them. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like for a lot of teams like Florida's management at the time, you know, Archisaw. Yeah, March, everyone and Smith. Marchesaw and Smith were guys that you should have held on to. They gave them two players of their top line. Like two of the three offensive players of, on their top line were from the Florida Panthers the year before. And they made a deal to take those two guys and keep Vincent Trocek, who ended up leaving anyway. Well, it just goes to show now that Florida is back to being a potential contender. Because mm-hmm. they actually are like they they rebuilt themselves. Oh yeah, they're good and real real fast. Like coaching has a lot to do with that too. Me- message to the New Jersey Devils ownership: It doesn't have to take over half a decade to become good again. <laughs> yeah, that would be <laughs> after nice, you kneecap right? yourself. Just as a sidebar, because uh, we're a devil show, and we probably should mention the Devils here and there. Well, we don't need the process, quote unquote. No, I'm sick of it. I'm done with it. Well, next. <laughs> well, you know, you know. Getting back to the expansion draft, one other thing, and I did state this earlier, is that this is also the first event of the ESPN Turner era of NHL broadcasting. It's going to be on ESPN2. It's going to be hosted by college football announcing legend Chris Fowler, former member of our rival Dominic Moore, and of Mm -hmm. course, the handsome, the witty, the incredibly smart and talented, and of course, former New Jersey Devil, goaltender Kevin Weeks. Mm-hmm, they will mm-hmm. be our hosts at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the NHL will have a whole bunch of uh, gimmicks and scenes, one of which was already leaked on Tuesday for Toronto, for one of Toronto's potential picks at I a saw, fish market. Um, yeah, no, I saw Weeks catching a fish at uh, Pike's Place. 
That's right. He uh, caught that fish, pulled Alpha Card, and said, Alexander Kerfoot. And of course, everybody started going, Is Alexander Kerfoot really going to be taken? No, no, no. This day's shot other takes. And of course, the Seattle people were like, Yeah, we totally shot five of other takes. But are they telling the truth, Dan? Are they? Are it's they? It's hard to say. And like, yeah. I, I, I think they could do a lot with this, and especially because it's Seattle. I saw a lot of great Twitter suggestions. Like, some that came to mind was like, uh, <laughs> someone just comes a barista comes up and announces uh just says carney prince is there a carney prince here and then someone goes <laughs> and it's like oh it says carrie price okay got it it's entirely possible and oh. i can already say, i can already say in addition to general manager ron francis himself a nhl legend in his own right um he's he's going to get help from the following celebrities of seattle sports and some others like uh macklemore well he like, he's a recording artist and i a sports celebrity, Dan. But, yeah, yeah, uh, but he's super. Sue Bird, yeah. Marshawn Lynch, Lenny Wilkins, Jordan Morris, Gary Payton, who's probably going to, if you talk to him about John Stockton, he'll sit you down for 30 minutes to say how scary John Stockton was. Uh, Sean <laughs> Kemp, who's still around. Uh, Bobby Wagner, Kyle Lewis. And of course, um, you've got the aforementioned Macklemore, Cammy Granado, who's actually a scout for the Kraken. So it's actually appropriate. She makes an announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, who, if I'm not mistaken, he's is a member owner. of the ownership. Yeah, he's part owner of the team. So yep. he's a Hollywood producer. I'm sure he's going to come out with something bombastic, or maybe he just figures he's going to come out in a robe, some Crocs, and just say, yeah, I take this guy over here. I have no idea how Jerry <laughs> Bruckheimer talks. I figured he'd be a sleazy Hollywood <laughs> producer. So, you know. Well, this is the man who made Pirates of the Caribbean and then named a team after it. So... You know, that's right. Cool. The Pirates of the Caribbean. It was a big hit. Let's name the team after him. Oh my goodness! I didn't realize Jerry Bruckheimer became a New York sports radio host, but here we are. <laughs> We're back after this with the next pick. Uh, I also saw one of my favorite suggestions that I saw was have um, Kelsey Grammer do it with. Uh, I, I'm oh. forgetting his name. Oh, David St. Pierce. Yes, just have Fraser and Niles do a little whisper kitchen thing, and then just have someone announce it. <laughs> That would, that would actually be appropriate. Fantastic. Um, so Seattle, that show. I love it. Yep. I, I'm sure they, I'm sure the locals up there love the show too. Similar to how New Yorkers love Seinfeld and yeah. uh, people in Springfield. Boston somewhere. loves cheers. Boston loves their cheers and uh, Springfield somewhere loves their Simpsons. <laughs> Springfield anywhere. Because yep. there's one in every state, seemingly. Anyway, yep. that being said, yeah, it should be a very exciting event. And uh, again, for all the reasons we mentioned earlier, there's so many ways for the devils to interact with this expansion draft and they do have that cap room still that they're quote unquote weaponizing and my, my thing is like when is that going to be weaponized when are we going to have an arsenal already like when are we well, going to... the graves trade was an example of that yeah <laughs> it's no, like yeah we sure. can eat graves contract Come, bring him over here's mikhail maltsev Fitzgerald's now a New Yorker Fitzgerald's now a New York sports radio host yeah I guess we've kind of added everyone yeah I I don't have many accents here I can't do very many bits Uh. (laughs) that's okay we're here for the analysis you know not the bits only the bits sometimes yeah but uh I'll I'll stick to to the blogging (laughs) (laughs) no worries totally uh totally appropriate except we're just trying to have a little fun this offseason because I am nervous for the devil's timeline I want to make sure that there's still forward momentum with all these great young players. And I don't want it to be a thing where it becomes, well, the devils can draft a guy early and he'll just end up leaving after a couple of years because they've never shown any improvement. I I hope, I genuinely hope they take that. It doesn't even have to be the playoffs this year, but it just has to be better than 29th. 
It's got to yeah. be better than 29. Yeah. You got to do better than selecting fourth overall, which is exactly where the Devils will be drafting yep. on Friday night. Again, on, I believe, ESPN 2. Because, mm-hmm. um, of course, we're not ready for ESPN 1 yet. I'm ready to hang uh, with the big football boys yet. No, well, you know, football drives the bus sports-wise. No, that's true. That. It's true. Uh, but nevertheless, the Devils will be drafting fourth overall. So tune in extra early because that pick will be made fairly early on in the process. And then go out, you know, have some fun, get a dessert, you know, do some cleaning, maybe watch some professional wrestling. And then later, towards the end of the broadcast, um, you will see the Devils select 29th overall, presuming that they still have that pick, mm-hmm. uh, assuming they don't trade it. Because again, with this year's draft class not being uh, particularly strong or particularly impressive, um, you know, I would expect a lot of picks just to be moved between Wednesday night, right either at the expansion drafts with Seattle or right after the trade freeze gets lifted. And then up until, uh, you know, Gary Bettman goes to the virtual podium uh, in Secaucus, New Jersey to announce the start of the draft. Mm-hmm. A lot of picks could be moved. And that 29th overall might be something that gets moved. Yeah. It's, We've it's... already seen a couple firsts move already back in April, back at the trade deadline, but that's how the devils got their 29th overall pick. And uh, excuse me. We already know that Detroit and Columbus they have multiple first round picks. We could see much more action. It really just depends on how it shakes out in terms of the other picks. Like if someone, you know, if someone's on someone's board at, you know, the, the 20th spot and suddenly the devils are up at 29th, that person hasn't been selected, then uh, yeah, they're going to rush to it. I, I just don't think we'll see that pick being traded before the actual draft. Yeah. I, I think that makes the most sense. I think it's going to be one of those things where a call is made during the virtual draft. And yes, this year's draft is virtual. Um, again, Batman will be hanging out in Secaucus at the NHL Network Studios. I will be hoping and praying that this process will go a lot faster than it did last year. Oh my God. Uh, day two in person goes in like three and a half hours, yeah. but apparently took literally all day. At least this time it's on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, and that will start at around 11 o'clock, by the way. So, you know, gear up your plan, so to speak. Uh, you may want to, I wouldn't plan anything at three o'clock unless you're confident everyone's going to keep it moving. I still remember I writing doubt it. The, the Artem Schlain article at five o'clock that day. Yeah, I remember messaging you like, hey, how did it go today? And you were like, it's still going. And I'm like, yeah. huh? What do you yep. mean it's still going? <laughs> they were work? not even close. Um, and so hopefully they figured out that aspect of things because, Listen, rounds two through seven, congratulations to all the players drafted there, and some of them make it to the NHL, and most of them don't, and for the most part, those players are just an afterthought, but really, the Devils have found some gems there recently, so it's worth at least listening to, worth at least knowing the names. And at the very worst, as we saw with the 2016 draft class, um, even though they've traded most of those picks for other assets, that's the other benefit. Maybe a pl- prospect becomes better than you expected. They suddenly get more value in a trade. And that's how you can trade away a Mikhail Maltsev. Or you trade, even if the trade didn't ultimately work out well, uh, like Michael, the rental of Michael Grabner, you lost only Yegor Rikov for it. And it doesn't even look like Rikov is going to leave Russia full time. So mm-hmm. what did you lose? He was a fifth rounder. Uh, Patrick Davis was a part of the package for PK Subban. Okay. Subban wasn't as ad, you know, as, as good as you'd hope, but he was probably a lot better than whatever Patrick Davis is going to become. So yeah. that's, that's really the benefit of finding gems. It's not necessarily guys that could make your um, NHL team better, but it could be the 
piece that helps make a deal happen or makes your AHL team not get its teeth kicked in every night. Sure. Um, speaking of, good luck to Utica <laughs> as yeah. they uh, start to uh, build their team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they are paying, they're going to be paying close attention to what the Devils do with their own free agents because believe it or not, Tom Fitzgerald's uh, work, he only has a couple free agents left in the New Jersey side of things to take care of. And I wouldn't be surprised if we hear a Yegor Sharangovich uh, signing soon since he's been appearing a lot more on the devil's social media yeah. page on Twitter. And I wouldn't, I, you know, he's wearing devil's clothes. He's wearing a hat, you know, he's wearing shades. I don't think they would be posting up pictures if negotiations weren't going well. Well, he was probably the most pleasant surprise of the season, right? Like we, we, oh, yeah. we talked about this and yeah, Ty Smith being what he was, but we kind of knew Ty Smith was coming. And then Hager Sharangovich comes out of nowhere, scores, what, 17 goals? 16, but yeah. Still ridiculous. Very ridiculous. And, you know, case in point to what we just said, he was a fifth-round draft pick back yep. in 2018. He was an overage draft pick, too. So Jesper don't Bratt's knock – top liner. Yeah, don't knock the late pick so much, you know. Well, just, Jesper, he was a sixth, right? Sixth-rounder? Uh, Brat, yes, he was yeah. a sixth-rounder out of the – Oh my goodness! The second division of Sweden junior hockey, like, and, and now I like wouldn't hesitate shot. to say that he is probably the best skater on the Devils besides like Jack Hughes, and maybe even better than Jack Hughes. In terms of what he can do, not speed or power wise, but agility, he moves around better than most of the team, and you know this. He's very good at it, Dan. I don't disagree. I, I I don't think I would put him ahead of the big deal, Jack Hughes. Okay. And I'm not super sure I would even put him ahead of Ty Smith. Uh, no, I think he's more agile than Ty Smith, but we'll see. Okay. I, I mean, I think I think Jack Hughes certainly has an argument. I don't think Ty Smith does, to be honest with you. Okay, I may be reaching with Ty Smith immediately, but I almost – there's also – well. Look, like who else, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a little bit beside the point. But the, what isn't beside the point, Dan, is that the Devils could draft somebody at fourth overall on Friday night that could become a better skater than Brat and even possibly his older brother. Yeah. That would be Luke Hughes. He's one mm-hmm. of the popular choices among the mock drafts. Um, he's, you know, it's been bandied about so often that some people are basically describing it. I know in Corey Promen's mock at The Athletic, it was, I have sources telling me it's definitely going to be Luke Hughes and I have sources telling me it's definitely not going to be Luke Hughes, but it's going to be, he thinks it's going to be Luke Hughes. And if it's not going to be Luke Hughes. Jack is basically saying as much. (laughs) Well, if it's not going to be. keeps saying it too. Well, if it's not going to be Luke, the other mocked name, commonly mocked name has been uh, Brent Clark, who ironically, you know, his big issue is his skating mechanics, which, you know, if you draft him and if you're able to have the coaching staff, and the resources, and most importantly, the players buying into those changes, if he could fix that out, yeah, Brent Clark would be a very viable choice at fourth overall. I wouldn't hate it. But in our mock, internally, you know this, Dan, you you picked him, I picked him, our uh, collective group picked him, and at the SB Nation mock draft, we picked Luke Hughes. Um, He's the heavy favorite for fourth overall. And 29th overall is basically, you know, throw a dart, pick some names out of a hat. It really is going to depend on who's available at 29. I've read 14 different mock drafts before, and I've got 14 different names <laughs> at 29th overall. So, And also, like you were saying before, there's a strong chance they don't even make that pick. Exactly. So, you know, it's a question if there is a pick, and if so, who knows if it's going to be a defenseman? Who knows if it's going to be a forward? I've seen bad just decisions like Colton Dock, who's basically Kirby Dock's big brother who's, you know, not 
particularly skilled, or they go out and get a offensive defense, another offensive defenseman who's pretty much all offense. And you better hope he makes it to the league like a shy Booyam, or, you know, you pick somebody that I would better like, like Nikita Chibrikov, if he's, if he makes it that far or Francesco Pinelli, if he makes it that far, but it's just all over the place at the bottom of this draft. And if there are further trades uh, either announced tomorrow night with Seattle and after the expansion draft up until the draft picks are announced, yeah, it's it's going to be a total, you know, it, it's it, it's going to be a surprise. It's going to be a total surprise. Mm-hmm. It's a surprising atmosphere, Dan. Yeah, it's all it's all still to play for. And this week is going to tell us a lot more about, uh, you know, how we feel about the Devils offseason and what they're able to accomplish. But is there anything else that we should talk about for today? Well, another bit of news that I learned a couple hours ago is that uh, through ESPN Sports Center at 6 p.m. on Thursday, that's 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, they're going to release the NHL schedule. Mm. So uh, some teams have already announced their preseason schedules. I think New Jersey definitely has a preseason game with Washington on the books. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> it's a preseason game. Pre- preseason. I, just, I don't even want to deal with it. Preseason. <laughs> it doesn't count. It I doesn't know. matter. You just have to hope nobody gets hurt. That's all it matters. It's all that matters. I know. There's my New York uh, sports uh, it's radio. It's still voice demoralizing. Again. It doesn't matter, Dan. That. It's just preseason. <laughs> no. It it's, matters. That's to an me. exhibition. <sighs> it matters to you. Okay. Yeah. Only you. Yeah. And, and, and maybe all the degenerate gamblers who bet money on preseason and, games. And the people trying to make the team. That's true. That they, they are not degenerate. They have, they have, there, there will be likely spots to play for yes. uh, next season, depending oh, on, um, which is also dependent on what the devils will do next Wednesday. Cause mm-hmm. next Wednesday is the beginning of free agency. So if, uh, you know, I look at this, uh, this week, if you will, of the NHL off season from Wednesday to Wednesday as a triple main event, we've got the expansion draft with Seattle as the first main event. We've got the NHL draft on Friday and Saturday as a second main event. And then you got the crazy free agency where we'll find out what will happen to Dougie Hamilton. What's going to happen to Ryan Murray. What's going to happen to a whole bunch of other guys. And there's already looming, questions about is Vladimir Tarasenko going to get dealt and for what is Jack Eichel going to get dealt and for what um you know well I'm sure we're all going to laugh when Barkley Goudreau apparently gets a six-year contract at 3.3 million dollars per year oh no he already got it oh they already oh, it's they already... sick it's worse John it's six by 3.6 oh my goodness <laughs> that yeah. is awful for Barkley Goudreau it, it's not even it, Let me, we're a devil's podcast so let's put this in a devil's podcast it's like if you gave Miles Wood that contract that's basically what you got here 3.6 would be better for miles wood than barkley goodrow i I would disagree with that dan but especially for six years for productivity (laughs) reasons like goodrow was a goodrow is someone who was paired with blake coleman in that they were attributed to tampa bay's playoff success last year and getting over the hump what people fail to understand is that blake coleman was the much bigger contributor to that effort who is also an unrestricted free agent. And if Barkley Goudreau is getting 3.6 million, Blake Coleman, you know, Blake, Blake Coleman shaking his hands. Yeah. He, he's not going to be living off pickle juice uh, next season. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. He, he's, he's going to, I mean, my guess is that he goes to Dallas, but anyway, uh, we can talk about free agency next week. I think just when we know more about what teams needs will be and when the expansion fallout kind of, um, the dust settles from that. So mm-hmm. um, let's save that conversation for who the devil should kind of pursue next week. Uh, and, you know, by the time we record that, even there could be discussions already ongoing. There could be a lot that 
do they have the negotiation period this year? That stupid no. thing where the deals leak out, but they're not official. They there, as far as I know, there is no official tampering period as they call it. I hated that. It well, was so dumb. Well, let's be real, Dan. It's still going to happen. It's just going to be a little, shh, don't tell anybody. But and that's fine with me. I have no issue with it. Like how, how else were they having these conversations that on July 1st every year, immediately when the, the timer hits that you're able to sign free agents, there's already five or six deals in place. You're going to sit there and tell me they just came to that agreement at that moment, please. What, you're telling me that the NHL agents saying honorable people, Dan? Is that what you're saying? I mean, one of them <laughs> is going out of his way or went out of his way a couple of years ago to uh, draw a picture of his client with a sword running through his back. Oh, now you're getting blocked on Twitter by Alan Walsh. I, we all are. Quite actually. frankly, don't care. Yeah. But th- that being said, uh, you know, I, I just, we'll, we'll see what the market says too. There's going to be, you know, once the first couple dominoes start falling, that's not Barkley Goodrow. I think this was like a Chris Jury, what just happened? Like who, who let you on the phones to do this? But um, I, I don't think that's going to set the market value for everyone necessarily. I think, that that's just going to be like, well, we absolutely cannot do something like that. So there you go. I, I don't know. It, it, it's all to be seen and we don't know how much room anyone's going to have with all these players moving around as well. So no true, sense really talking about it now. Yeah, this is true. And again, speaking of no room, that salary cap ceiling ain't going up for this season. So that's another, re- another driver of all these different activities. And who's to say that we make it <laughs> We make it through all of next season and there's enough revenue to make it higher, but that's a different discussion for a different day, maybe in a year. And, but as ever, we will continue to follow our favorite team as we hope. Oh, so desperately hope they are better than what they were last year. And on that sentiment of desperate hope, thank you for listening to this episode. We appreciate it. And we'll be back to talk free agency at some point, uh, either this weekend or next week. Let's go Devils and get those players. And also, sayonara to one of the Devils that will be playing for the Seattle Kraken next year. Thank you for your time in New Jersey. We appreciate you. Right. Go Devils. All right. See you next time.